welcome to Freedom Cast, a podcast dedicated to interviewing star icons and entrepreneurs who have encouraged others to become more healthy and active. My name is Ashton, and it's my pleasure to host you as we take another trip through the fitness industry. It's entertaining and informative, and I hope it makes fitness more exciting and special to you in your own fitness journey. Freedom Cast is supported by Freedom Fitness Equipment in Charlotte, North Carolina. Freedom Fitness Equipment serves the health and fitness community nationwide, from free weights and strength equipment for home gyms and studios to cardio and conditioning equipment for commercial spaces. Check them out at freedomfitnessequipment.com. Let's get rolling with today's show. Um, so this is uh, Ken McCullen. Uh, he's a pro strongman, a coach, and uh, see a two times Masters World Champ. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> And uh, wanted to talk with him about Strawman. Um, saw you were sponsored by Cerberus. That's how we got connected. I was interviewing um, Ken Wiki. And uh, yeah, so um, yeah. Can you give us a little bit about your background and how you even got into Strawman and, and how that, all that developed? Well, so I, uh, I've competed in a lot of different things through my life. I, was, uh, I played football and then I got into MMA mm-hmm. and I fought MMA for six years. Wow. And then I owned a gym during this whole time period. And a guy, right after I got done with MMA, a guy brought a log, uh, you know, a log implement into my gym. And I was like, what are you doing with a log? Like, that's kind of a weird thing. And he wouldn't look like he really worked out. Anyway, short <laughs> version, he said, uh, I do strongman. And I was like, like, world's strongest man? And he's like, yeah, but they have like amateur levels. And I was like, for real? And so me and my buddy, uh, his name was Jesse Lennox. He fought in the UFC. Mm-hmm. He had just retired as well. And we were looking for something new to do. So we signed up for a contest. You know, we did a little research and found out, you know, what was out there and signed up for a contest. And three months later, we were in St. Louis competing and just kind of ran with it from there. You know, wow. I, I loved it. Uh, I got into it late. I was about 37 when I got into strongman. <clears throat> and so, um, I was a little behind the eight ball. And so I, like, I sprinted. I won my pro card at 42. Um, and then I had won, a, I'd won two Masters Nationals by that point, <clears throat> or three technically. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I decided on a whim to go out for the Open Nationals and the amateurs, and I won it. And I, oh, I didn't – it was kind of funny. It was a two-day event, and I went in on day two, and uh, the promoter was like – you're in third place. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, this was supposed to just be for fun, right? And they're like, yeah, you're in third place. I was like, well, shit. And they were like, yeah, this is, sorry about the cussing. They, no, 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 you're like, fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And so, uh, so yeah, by the end of the day, I won. And uh, I actually had taken it so, I don't want to say not seriously, but the girl I was dating at the time had a wedding. Her brother's wedding was two and three hours away. So as soon as we got done, I literally jumped in my truck and drove away and didn't even go to the award ceremony. No. They call, yeah, they called me. One of my one of my athletes called me and said, uh, "Coach, you just won nationals." I was like, "Go grab my trophy for me." <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> "Run up there and, and and grab my trophy for me." And uh, yeah, so that I won my pro card and then I just started kind of jumping into whatever contests I could get into. Um, I got it. Uh, call, like I went over to Ireland and won. Uh, the ultimate strongman masters worlds. And then I won masters world strongest man in 2018. Um, last year I took second to Terry Hollins. Uh, Dang. That was a, it was a rough year. Uh, my, my, it's no excuse, but my stepdad died about 10 days before. Yeah. I was really close to my stepdad and he died about 10 days before the, uh, the contest. And suffice to say, I was not on my a game, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it happens. Life yeah. happens, you know, it's strongman is not the be all and end all of the world. And uh, so, yeah. And then ever since then, COVID has pretty much shut down everything. Uh, so I've just been training and kind of living life. I sold my gym, um, moved to Michigan just recently, and I'm kind of starting up, uh, starting over, starting over with uh, a new, not a new business, like just a new training business and uh, just focusing on my training and enjoying life at this point. So Very it's fun. Nice. Uh, I'm curious about your background. Did you say with the UFC? Uh, I didn't actually fight in the UFC. I competed MMA, MMA. Um, throughout. So my problem was <laughs> the, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, which governs pretty much the entire UFC structure, 
uh-huh. has a weight limit of 265 pounds. Uh-huh. Well, I hadn't been 265 pounds since I was like a sophomore in high school. <laughs> so I spent, uh, I spent like, I would spend months trying to get down to the lightest I got was at 273 for a fight. Oh my word. And that was, that was a tough cut. But, uh, so I, toward the end, um, I was training in Bettendorf at Pat Militich's gym and, uh, and then the idea was that there was a possibility I could get a fight in an organization at the time called strike force, which was a competing organization uh, to the UFC. They ended up buying it. It's the one that Gina Carano fought in. Oh, cool. MMA. Yeah. She brought women's MMA to the forefront. Anyway. Uh, so I was cutting, I dieted for six months and just about the time I was within striking distance, Pat sold the gym and decided to pursue other interests. And I was just kind of like, you know, like I'm sick of dieting. That was the nice thing. That was part of the appeal of Strongman, to be perfectly honest. When right. I talked to the guy, I was like, oh man, what's the weight limit on these weight classes? He's like, there's no weight limit. And I was like, whoo, boy, you sold me on this bad boy. Let's go do it. And uh, as my friend likes to point out, I've pretty much been on a perma bulk since then. <laughs> so I'm just like right now I'm 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 hovering right around 370 pounds. So I'm a full 100 and you know 97 pounds bigger than I was when I fought MMA. <laughs> oh my word! Have yeah. you ever watched uh, Kiriakos Grizzly? Huh. Okay, so you need to look this guy up. Um, he is what one might call our bloat lord and savior. Um, he is, he's gotta be like pushing close to four or 500 pounds and he, he's lifting, he's doing like, um, you gotta look up videos. He screams at the end of each of his sets, but he's like putting all the plates on either side of the bar and doing like shoulder raises or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I've, I think I've seen clips of that guy. That guy's crazy strong. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, every time I think of like strongman or like even power lifters for that matter, I'm just like, <laughs> this is why they got into the sport. <laughs> yes. Yes. You can eat it. Like it's, it's actually encouraged to gain weight constantly. <laughs> yeah. I, I laugh. <clears throat> so I've been an alternate and world strongest man like twice. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to name names, but there was one day we were <laughs> one of the times we're in the, we're in the rules meeting and uh, we get done and we literally walk to the elevator it's maybe 70 feet uh-huh. right and three of them are like <sighs> and i'm like I, I, I get it i have sleep apnea i understand but yeah. i've never heard waking apnea i'm like this guy's like choking just walking to the i was like man now I'm, I'm lucky i've always been i was blessed with a very gigantic frame yeah like i've got a size like eight and a quarter hat and you know 15 wide shoes and you know like my hands are ridiculously large and Mm -hmm. so for me like carrying 370 when i tell people they're like there's no way but then you stand next to somebody else that's got a small frame that's 370 and they look like you know five pounds of sausage in a three pound sack and yeah it looks like they're gonna pop you know yeah and uh i i kind of laugh because i still do quite a bit of cardio and mobility for i mean i'm 46 at this point yeah so i'm looking at longevity because you don't see many 370 pound 50 year olds mm-hmm. right so i'm trying to look like long game like i want to see the sunrise on my 60th birthday if possible you know <laughs> that would that would be really nice mm-hmm. um, is uh is there a with straw man is there i suppose it all depends on genetic predispositions and that kind of thing but <clears throat> i'm sure there's a balance between like speed especially for like the carries and getting as heavy and strong as you can possibly go What's the, is there a line there? What is the I'll, line? I'll fluctuate. Well, so it depends on it. So there are guys that are, so you have contests like the Arnold mm-hmm. and the Arnold traditionally, because most of it was held on the main stage, everything was limited to 15 to 20 feet, uh-huh. right? So it was crazy heavy. Yeah. So the bigger you could be for that, the better. Okay. But then you go to, you know, America's Strongest Man, you know, some of these overseas competitions it's more athletic. And so it kind of, that's, it's nice to be well-rounded, but you got to kind of strike that balance. So some shows like, so I was about 380 going into uh, world's strongest man as an alternate because everything's so heavy and so big. Mm-hmm. Now for masters world's strongest man in November, that that's my next contest. I'm probably aiming to cut down to about 355 okay. because there's a lot more moving events and I don't need to carry 
like that kind of mass. And, you know, a lot of it will depend on if there's a, a lot of times you'll see guys, if there's a pulling event, like a train pull or a truck pull, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. mass moves mass. So the bigger you are, the easier it is to move something like that. Yeah. So you want to put weight on, you know, and then the bigger you are generally, the stronger you are. So a lot of guys, you know, there's, you see it more of a trend right now, guys like Novikov, mm -hmm. um, Maxime Boudreaux, mm -hmm. um, you know, these guys that are like, even Martins Lises is a smaller guy, yeah. but these smaller guys that are just super explosive and super strong, but hell, like hell of an athlete on top of it, you know, in terms of like Novikov, if Novikov had been born in Texas, he'd be playing linebacker for some NFL team at this point. The guy's a yeah. freak, you know, and like Kieliszkowski, like he'd be playing tight end somewhere. Like that guy's super athletic, but you know, that's kind of the trend I see in strongman. It's kind of swinging back more to athletic, athletic stuff. Like back when Mario Pujanowski was, you know, the world's strongest man so many times, it was very athletic. And then it kind of swung more to the static stuff. And you see, you know, Brian Shaw and, you know, Z and these guys that just lift ungodly amounts of weight. And you're like, okay, you just have to be a freak and strong at this point. Well, then now it's kind of trending back the other way to smaller athletic guys, it seems like. Other than, I mean, Stoltman won this year, but for such a big guy, that mm -hmm. dude is crazy athletic. Like, he's crazy. And he's just hitting his stride, it seems like, um, with, how, with how, I mean, he's probably going to be set up like Shaw was back in the day. I'm really hoping hoping Shaw can pull off one more, but Tom, Tom's the up-and-comer. It's going to be between Tom and Novikov. Like, Novikov had a off World's Strongest Man. He did. Yeah, he didn't really look like himself, but Stoltman came through just blazing. I mean, he he he's going to be tough to beat. It's going to take a perfect performance by Brian, and probably as much as I hate to say it, a couple stumbles from these other. Like, yeah, nobody's ever going to beat Stoltman and Stones. Like this year, it came down, you know, like Brian and Brian and Tom and Stones. Yep, and that's like saying like, okay, it comes down to a hundred meter race between me and Usain Bolt. <laughs> <laughs> Second's kind of cool. I'll take it, you know, like barring some catastrophic injury, we all knew how that was going to end. Yeah. Like nobody is going to beat Tom and stones for probably a freaking decade. Like yeah. the guy just, it's, it's, it's unbelievable to watch. It's, it's cool to watch on TV, but to watch it in person mm -hmm. and to be in it and know like how hard a 450 pound stone is to move. Yeah. And he's just like, puts it up there. Like, that's where you want it i can i can move it over here if you want you're just like what the? this can't be right you know like the first year i saw him compete uh i was i was on the equipment crew last year and he did mm -hmm. the stones and i literally went up and was like nope that's a 450 pound okay i thought we maybe wow. loaded these wrong because he just and it's it's unbelievable to watch the progression even in since i got into it like i laugh so in 2018 on, on world's strongest man uh, at Masters World's Strongest Man. So I'm there and they're playing during the check-in, they're playing the 2012 World's Strongest Man on TV. Mm -hmm. And we're standing in line, it's me and a couple other Masters guys and we're shooting the shit. And I look over and there's the circus dumbbell from 2012 World's Strongest Man. Here's Brian Shaw hitting this circus dumbbell for however many reps he hit it, I don't remember. Watch it, but I just remember looking at it going, how much is that dumbbell? It says across the bottom, 200 pounds. That was my weight in 2017 at amateur nationals. So five years later, you go from world's strongest man weight to now oh, it's what, like, wow. if your big neighbor <laughs> qualified for nationals and went over there, he's got to do that weight too. Holy cow. <laughs> and so like how fast the sport is progressing is mm -hmm. mind blowing. Like, you know, I remember when, like I remember watching some of the older world's strongest fans and like, you know, guys are doing a 320 pound log and everybody's like, Oh, oh my gosh. You know? Yeah. And nowadays <laughs> like middleweights do that for reps. Yeah. You know, like guys that weigh 220 pounds. You're like, how was that impressive? Like, Oh my gosh. It's, and it's, it's unbelievable how fast it's progressing. Oh, that's so. insane. Is, uh, do you think the difference between the the swings back and forth from athleticism to strong events has been on the part of the promoters or is it intentional by world strongest man? And, and I don't know if there's a committee uh, to orient those events in certain directions just to change it up. 
I think there's some, I think they kind of reach a point where they're like, okay, how much heavier can we go uh, for a while? Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Like really like, can we, like there's a, there is a limit. I mean, we haven't hit it yet, obviously, because it keeps getting surpassed, right. but there is the limit to like the capacity that human beings can do. Yeah. And you reach this point where it's like things get heavy enough that the risk to reward, like, yes, you know, a guy can't, you know, like you put an 80 ton train out there, how many guys are going to rupture Achilles tendons? How many right. guys are going to go down? Yeah. You know, you might get five guys that finish, you know, three, five guys that struggle and then five guys that blow things out. So I feel like there just comes a point where they're like, okay, let's make it harder. You know, let's swing the pendulum back and we'll make it harder. I mean, cause it is, they're just different kinds of hard, you mm -hmm. know, like, I don't know if you remember the medley that they had sandbags in the water on the beach and they had to pick them up and run them up the beach and put them on a pedestal. Oh my gosh. I don't care who you are. That's freaking hard. Yeah. Right. And it's like, <laughs> just, I remember we were in Florida and I kind of thought they were going to maybe try something like that. And I was like, please God, people will die. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is terrible. We can't do this, you know, but I feel like, you, you know, both are super impressive in their own ways. Yeah. And I feel like you can, you know, you can produce a great strongman contest with both, um, you know, it's just where the, where the sport goes during that, during that period. Sure. If that makes sense, you know, like it does, everybody wants to, and there, there does come a point where like even Novikov's deadlift last year, he set the world record on the 18 inch deadlift. And it was like, it was over a thousand pounds. Jeez. But when you look at it, like as a lay person, you know, like my mom watched it and is like, Okay, well, he just picked it up. Like, but she thinks it's much cooler that I pulled a semi with a trailer. She's like, that's impressive. And I'm like, mom, that was like 1,100 freaking pounds. Like, that's the most anyone. And she's like, yeah, it's just, yeah, but he just picked it up. Like, you pulled it, you pulled a truck. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and so there's, there's something to that in the sense of like, it is a TV show. Yeah. And there is something to be said. Like, I don't know if you remember the old Hummer tire deadlift. That you see uh, at the Arnold. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. There's tires like all the way out to the walls. And then they, you know, they pick it up and everybody's like, wow, the tires are like 50 pounds each. I mean, <laughs> but it looks so freaking cool, right? Like it's just mind blowing, you know. And then they have the elephant bar deadlift, which is much heavier and more difficult, but it's just plates on a bar. Right. And people are like, I see that at my gym around the corner. Like, you know, there's always that guy back in high school. Back in high school, I deadlifted 900 pounds. I'm like, of course. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? You know, like, I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? I, yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those, like, you know, it, they have to produce a good spectacle and a good, yeah. like, it, it's got to be good television to get people to watch. And same for events at contests, you know, like, there are things that look cool for spectators to watch and you want people to get involved and watch that may not necessarily be as hard as, you know, that was one of the drawbacks to, I don't know if you remember the stone of steel that was uh, popular for a while. I think is it just basically like an Atlas stone just made out of, made out of steel made out of metal and you loaded it with plates. Okay. Yeah. And the problem was, so like they had that at the Arnold the year I competed in amateur Arnold mm -hmm. and I won the stones on the main stage. Huh. And the funny part is, is so <clears throat> a couple people in the audience were like, well, you're doing the same weight as the girls. And I was like, well, no, no, there's more weight. Like there's more weight in there, uh, but they all look the same. Oh, you see okay. what I'm saying? So it yep, didn't yep. look as in, like, like it was, you know, double the weight of what the girls did and, you know, this and that, Yeah. but it looked the same. And so people huh. are like, that's not impressive. You're like, I was, I was pretty impressed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No kidding. But it's one of those. So you got to have the visual effect. You got to make it look cool as well as be challenging and heavy. So I think you're as long as you have, you're going to see this swing back and forth in prep in perpetuity. It's going to mm. go on forever. You know, as you approach the limits of one, mm. they're going to be like, okay, really, what more can we do? That's going to swing back the other way. And it's going to go, it's going to go on. And you're going to, I mean, eventually we'll probably not in my lifetime, but we'll see a 2000 pound deadlift someday. Yeah. You oh know, my gosh. <laughs> That's hard for me to wrap my head around right now, honestly. Those bars are going to have to get really long. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. I imagine. Um, oh, so 
I have a bone to pick with Strongman, World Strongest Man in particular. And I think this is like an ongoing complaint, but what the heck is going on with them? And maybe I missed it. They don't have a live, oh, sorry. The TV spectacle is in what, December or something stupid like that? Um, multiple months afterward? What? Why? Is it, has there ever been a reason behind that? <laughs> unless, unless you're not allowed to say. <laughs> no, so here's the best way I can put it is, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. Again, the UK, UK, UK television, like, so I, I'm going to side note, I'm going to just, just for an example. Yep. So I came to Michigan for a month to kind of seclude myself and focus on training Mm -hmm. for world's strongest man. My friend found me a place by posting on Facebook. Hey, a pro strongman friend of mine um, needs a place to stay while he trains here. Mm -hmm. This British couple literally was like, can you come stay with us? come stay with us. And the woman, this amazing woman named Fran Parsons, uh, let me stay at her house. She was super welcoming. Her and her husband are amazing people. She said every year on Christmas, her entire family gets together and watches the strongest man. Wow. It's a tradition in her family. Like they make bets. They like (laughs) do all this stuff. I mean, back before they released all the the stuff, you know, months in advance. So that's, that's the money. That's the golden egg, you know, mm-hmm. is that British, you know, the UK release of WSM. I don't see them changing that anytime in the future because they probably can't make the same off the live stream. You know, they huh. can't do it. Um, they're really like the, this year, they were especially like, Hey guys, like only release stuff that we film. Okay. You know, they were very particular about like spectators, not filming. Huh. It's, you know, their property their i don't know what the technical legal term would be but it's their you know their intellectual property i don't yep. know it doesn't seem yep. super intellectual but you know what i mean <laughs> and uh, they were they were you know they were very particular about like if an athlete videoed something like not releasing it mm. like you know so it's it's there's a lot of people like even me i'm like man just put it on tv like i want to see it like i know, you know but if, if you go to an event, you realize why they can't do it live. Okay. Because like some of the events take, you know, the stuff's incredibly heavy and awkward. Right. And they, they run it in a minute, but then we got to come out with a forklift, pick each piece up and reset it and get it set. And they got to reset the cameras. And, you know, I mean, it, it can be five to 10 minutes to reset a field. And that doesn't, that's not conducive to good TV. That's true. You know what I mean? There's only so much like interviews and filler crap you can throw <laughs> in between. I mean, imagine if baseball was like, you know, okay, he hit the ball. Now we got to take 10 minute break. We'll come back. We got to go find the ball, you know, polish it. Everybody's got to go pee and come back and <laughs> clean their uniforms. And then we'll do another at bat. Stay tuned, America. No, man, with the attention span of people right now, oh, like yeah. you, you wouldn't even get through one inning and it'd be canceled. So yeah, it's uh, it's not real conducive to live. Um, you know, uh, Clash on the Coast. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that. They just did a, uh, Ken was a, Ken Nowicki was, I, I don't talk about myself in third person. Ken Nowicki, who you mentioned <laughs> in the beginning. Yep. He, uh, he was heavily involved in, as a sponsor in Clash on the Coast. And it was, uh, oh, cool. oh, I can't think of his name. Oh, Anthony Furman put it on. It's a completely independent promotion. Okay. Well, they did an amazing live stream because they had essentially two different events going at once. They had the record breakers, which uh-huh. will end up on ESPN. Yep, And then they had the amateur side and pro 231s. Nice. So they would switch between events. So like, wow, you know, the record breakers would go, well, during that, you know, reset time and then everybody's standing around putting on belts and, you know, doing what strongman do, sniffing ammonia and all that crap. <laughs> they would switch to breathing hard. They would <laughs> switch to, <laughs> they would switch to this other, you know, clip so that they had something live going. And then they would, when that was done, they would switch to this one and then they would cut back and, and it was an amazing, amazing job, but that's just not conducive to World's Strongest Man. You just have World's Strongest Man going. Yeah. And so it's not very easy to like cut it live or even cut it quickly. And hmm. so they, uh, I mean, they do the best they can. And honestly, they produce a quality product in terms of it's good TV. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they do a very good job with equipment and making it and interviews and all the different behind the scenes stuff. You know, I'm just happy we have it. 
Yeah. I, you know, I'm a don't, I'm a don't look a gift horse in the mouth kind of guy. Right. We have strong men on TV at any point. That's the win. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Otherwise we're just back to being big dudes in an alley, picking up heavy. Shit. <laughs> when, so I know strong man, or at least my sense is that strong man has really, really taken off um, in a way that powerlifting <clears throat> um, has not really recently um any any particular impetus for that is it just because the names are getting bigger and people are they're doing a better job of marketing or is there something else no well you know you have you have the for the longest time so at this point you have two competing amateur organizations that Mm -hmm. are doing a very good job of promoting low-level shows okay that anyone can go get involved in because now there's weight classes so anyone, you know, when I owned my gym, I had at one point 15 people competing and I wow. lived in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which is not a big, yeah. you know, but we had 15 people at one point competing, um, everything from like 40 year old moms to, you know, 19 year old boys, you know, that didn't play college football, but wanted to, you know, still do something. Nice. It's, you know, powerlifting that's its own kind of mentality. Me as an athlete, excuse me, sorry. When I switched, when I quit MMA, I tried powerlifting for three months. Oh my God, it was so boring. I couldn't (laughs) do it. I was just like, I was like, let me get this straight. All I'm going to do is bench squat and deadlift forever. Fuck, this sucks. And so, so when that guy came with the strongman, like the cool thing about strongman is like each competition is different. You know, it's constant variety. It's constant, you know, changing things up, learning new skills. And I think that appeals to this, I hate to say it, this relatively short attention span generation. Like this, the way America is right now, you know, Mm -hmm. like I I have a number of clients that are, you know, younger. I do a lot. I I kind of fell into online coaching. There's a whole other story. Yeah. But I have a number of clients that are, you know, 19 to 25. And they love it because they'll sign up for a contest and they train, you know, these five events and then they get done and they're like, I want to do this one now. So we train five different events. So it's like, in a way, strongman lets you train like with training ADHD, you're constantly varying everything up. You're never bored. You know, and that was one of the things I loved about it was it wasn't just three lifts forever. You know, it was like, you got to improve your log and your axle and your dumbbell and your deadlift and your squat and your carries. And, you know, there's nine different carries and loads and, oh, you know, all of it, but it, you're never doing the same thing, you know, year in and year out. So it's mm-hmm. a lot more fun. And I think with the availability of strongman contests, like at any given weekend, there's probably three or four across the country, like mm-hmm. any given weekend, there's at least three or four contests across the country that you can go to. And so like, it's easy to find, you know, it's easy to get into the, with the rise in, in participation, actually in, in rise in CrossFit gyms, a lot of CrossFit gyms are bringing in some strongman equipment because you see some bleed over into the CrossFit games, oh. you know, of different, different things. Like they had an axle clean and press, you know, a couple of years, like a, a year ago in some oh. contest, I don't remember what it was, but oh. like people, I had all these CrossFitters show up at my gym, like, hey, you have axles, right? I was like, yeah. They're like, can we, can you teach us how to use them? I was like, sure. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you know, and they got these, like, oh, we're doing Atlas Stones. It's these little basketball. <laughs> adorable. Like, oh, that's so cute. Like, you guys are so cute. You know, and they're like, what is that one? I'm like, that's 480 pounds. They're like, oh, no. What, do you, what kind of wad do you do that in? And I'm like, no. Mm. No, you do that once and just lay there and pray. Do that. But, do that for time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do uh, do one of those for time. That's uh, yeah. That's how it works. But it's uh, you know, it's funny. But because of that, like, I feel like because it's now so available, more and more people like want to do stuff. You know, they yeah. want to be active. They want to go out and do stuff. And so, like, I get random people messaging me, like, "Hey, I want to try strongman." You know, all right, cool. You know, here's you know what's here's what's near you. Go there and try it and. You know, as as a whole, the community is probably, you know, powerlifting is pretty welcoming for the most part. <laughs> but but strongman is is different. Like the, I remember my first strongman contest when I found out I'd been flipping tires wrong for twenty years. Oh gosh! I you know I'm getting ready to go, and 
this guy I'm competing against was like, he's watched me in warmups and he's like, Hey man, like you're really risking your biceps and your low back that way. Like move your feet back, get this position, da, 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 it'll go a lot easier. And I was like, you, you fuck with me. Like, are you trying to get in my head and like yeah. make me do something wrong? And he's like, no, I'll try it. And I did it. And I was like, Holy crap, that's so much easier. And everybody is like super supportive and helpful and, you know, cheering for your competitors, cheering for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a really great community, you know, and everybody kind of knows everybody else. So it's, it's kind of a cool, I mean, I think it's, it's a really cool sport and a really cool culture and a really cool community to be involved in. And so I think part of that is like what's drawing people in more and more. And as it grows, you know, I mean, I think it was, you know, United States strongman nationals a couple of years ago had damn near 500 people in it. It was freaking, it was, Oh my God, it was so many people look like a monkey shit bite at the zoo. Man. It was just, <laughs> just insane. And, and props to Chris Baccio for pulling it off. Like he actually got it done in one day. Wow. With very, very few, like very few hiccups. And I was just like, ah, this was like a beautiful mind. Like that where everything's like floating in the air and numbers. <laughs> but I'm like, that's what it's got to be like scoring that. I was just like, who is doing this? It's like a crazy supercomputer in the back room <laughs> punching out numbers. Right. It was impressive, but, uh, you know, like to see that, to see that kind of participation, it was really cool. You know, uh, Strongman Corp, they do, they're a little more selective in getting into, it's a little more difficult getting to nationals for them, okay. but their nationals are still huge. Yeah. You know, their nationals are still very big and very competitive, incredibly competitive. And, you know, because, but because of this availability of competitions, it's like more and more people are getting into it all the time. And any and the beauty of it is anybody can any size right you know like i'm currently training a woman who weighs 140 pounds to compete in nationals wow right? and you wouldn't think of you know 140 pound girl as you know a strong man you know you think strong man you think big hulking out of breath dude sweating a lot like me not like this little you know 140 pound blonde with shoulders who's like yeah i want to lift logs and stones and you're like it's fucking sweet like let's wow. go do it right and so because of that, it's like, it's just everywhere now. It's awesome. That's a, yeah. Well, and the, 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 the implements kind of lend themselves to uh, wide availability, particularly with the home gym explosion due to COVID, you can pick up a rock in your backyard and now you're doing strong, man. Hey, what do you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Ken was talking about like selling out of sandbags mm-hmm. during COVID. And because I mean, the sandbag alone is this incredibly versatile training tool that people, if you're creative, you can hit just about everything with a couple sandbags. Oh, and yeah. You know, to have that, that's strong, man, you know, yep. then now it's just like everybody loves it. And, and they think they realize just how natural it is to pick something up and carry it. Yeah. You know I mean, like that's, you know, pick things up off the floor, carry it, press it over your head. That feels a lot more natural than like sitting in a mono lift with, you know, 900 pounds and unracking it with wraps and a belt and a suit and squatting until somebody goes down and then coming up, you know, up and then come up and everybody be like, you were too high. And that was bullshit. And oh, you're wearing a triple ply suit. It doesn't count. You know, I'm like, it just, it just, it feels more like, you know, people come in, I'm like, pick that up and run with it. And they're like, okay. I'm like, congratulations. You're doing strong, man. I'm like, Mr. Miyagi, like, you know, paint the wall. Congratulations. You're doing karate. So that is like, pick that up and carry it to that end and set it now, you know? So I have a, uh, the girl, I'm, the girl, <laughs> this one girl goes, I don't want to do strong, man. It looks too much like chores and uh she uh you know she told me flat out i don't ever want to do stuff that makes me feel like i'm doing chores and that's what strong man looks like and i was like yeah no that's fair all right yeah that's fair like farmers walk like that's she's like i did that all through my childhood i was like oh shit yeah that is chores yeah 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 carrying (laughs) carrying the uh, milk from the dairy cow oh geez um (laughs) How many, but so you mentioned there's, there's events every year. How many events per year, if you're, if you're competing and, 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 and doing this professionally, I mean, how many are you, I know I, I just interviewed um, a couple of folks in the Scottish Highland games and they'll do like 18 to 20 a year. And then you go on the complete opposite end powerlifting is like one to two. So is strongman in between. Yeah. So with the pro shows for pros, you know, for your amateurs, you can compete every weekend yeah there's enough if you know as long as it's nearby and you're willing to travel okay um for your pros it's 
a lot. It's it's limited, and that's part of the problem. You could uh, probably get if you're willing to go uh, like places, like really get out there. Yeah, you could probably do four a year. Okay, you know, I know guys. You know, like, and if if you're on a high level and you want to, you know, between uh, World Ultimate Strongman, you know, Ultimate Strongman in the UK, um, you know, the Arnold series back when, before COVID shut it all down. You know, there was a bunch of those. You could get in six or seven in a year. Wow. If, if you're willing to travel to Brazil and, you know, and you get the invites and all this stuff, but the majority of us, we get two to three a okay. year. Um, it's a lot harder to find spots and get, you know, travel. And honestly, it depends on <clears throat> some of us, you know, the top level guys can walk into a show somewhat unprepared mm-hmm. and because they're so, you know, up here, <laughs> They can just walk in and be like, all right, cool. What are we doing? Sweet. And run through it. The rest of us kind of need at least a couple months of prep, you know, and, uh, you know, learning, adapting to the weights, getting back in the swing of, you know, that event, knocking the rust off, so to speak. Yep. Um, So like I, last year I plan on competing three times for sure, possibly four. Okay. This year it'll be one, you know, just possibly mainly because there's not a lot coming back around. You know? Gotcha. Is the, uh, is there a peaking cycle for that kind of stuff or is it more fluid where you can kind of, it doesn't really matter. You're just kind of at whatever you're at throughout the year. <laughs> you know, I've done this. I've like, <laughs> I've done a couple shows that were literally just like my, my first ultimate strongman show. They called me on Tuesday and said, can you be on a plane on Wednesday? Oh, geez. And so I flew to Ireland, competed, and took third. And that was literally just me walking in going, all right. Like, I literally showed up. I'm like, what are we doing? Oh, my word. Okay, cool. All right. You know, I just packed everything in my bag and was like, mm, I hope I brought everything I need. Wow. Um, but ideally, you know, you, you keep yourself at a certain level of preparedness year-round. Mm-hmm. But it's like anything, you can't maintain that peak strength and condition for too long you know and so if there is a ramp up phase you know where you build work capacity and do all this stuff and then there's a you know this at this uh, a phase where you basically start transitioning to more very specific things you know that are going to be in the contest and then usually the last depending on the person three to four weeks it's pretty much just the events okay you know hone it you know I always call it like honing the edge. Like you build, you know, like when you're take a big block of iron and you heat it up and hammer it, it kind of looks like a knife, you know, and then that's like the accumulate, that's like the start phase. And then, you know, you do more work and it's like, all right, now it's really knife-like, but it's not very sharp. Well, that's that second phase. And then the last phase is just, you know, polishing it and making it sharp so you can cut things up. That's the last, that's the peak, you know, but you can't keep that peak for too long. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a, you'll take a last minute show and you just go in and hope for the best. But most of the time people want to take long. And nowadays it's, it's a big risk, you know, because if you get beat in a show and you want to get into the giant slab or world's strongest man or whatever, there is a risk. If you go out and get beat by somebody that they're oh. going to be like, well, you didn't do very well oh. over here. So why do you belong, you know, over here? And that's, and that's kind of a lot of big shows, you know, a lot of the invite only shows. Right. It's about where you placed in the last two shows. And so unless you're a name like Novikov or, you know, Stoltman or whatever, you could go shit the bed and, <laughs> and still get an invite. Yep. But the rest of us, the rest of us have to go, you know, we have to be kind of careful about, not me, I don't care, I'm 46. I mean, I'm just here for the hell of it and have fun. Yep. But the other guys got to like, especially the younger guys or, you know, guys that are kind of on the verge of the top bubble, like they have to make sure they don't get beat mm. by a guy like me. Yep. Like they go to a show and they're like, some dude from middle of nowhere freaking beat you. Like, what the hell? Like, you know, and that's and that looks bad. And it could be, you know, they weren't prepared or whatever. They had food poisoning, you know, whatever it is, but it still looks bad. You know, an L is an L, so to speak, as my coach in high school used to say. Yep. So that's fair. Um, I'm curious, uh, on the the sponsorship side. So how'd you guys how'd you get hooked up with Cerberus? Um So at my first Masters World Strongest Man, it was the first time I met Ken. Yeah. And uh, that was in 2017. Okay. Uh, I took third. 
to Zadrudis, uh, Zadrudis and uh, Vetus Bacchitis. And uh, that was when I first kind of realized like, all right, I'm actually pretty good. Yeah. I beat Nick Best, um, beat a lot of guys that were supposed to beat me. Oh, wow. And uh, made a couple of, I, I wouldn't call them rookie mistakes, but made a couple of nervous mistakes in the contest yeah. that probably cost me second place. I wouldn't have beaten Z in that contest, but I, I could have possibly jumped up to a close second. But um, I met him there. We chatted. You know, one of the things about <clears throat> Cerberus and a lot of sponsors, they want people, you got to have some kind of name. Mm-hmm. You got to have some kind of value. But they also, you know, most companies want someone that aligns with, I'm trying to think of the right word, aligns with their, their values, their culture, yeah. their, you know, their mission statement or however, you know, whatever business bullshit you want to talk <laughs> Basically, me and Ken hit it off. Nice. He's like, I like you. I like your social media. Like, I like how you, you know, your presence. And he's like, would you want to be a, you know, you're good enough. Would you want to be a sponsored athlete? And I was like, me? Like, yeah, sure. Shit. Like, I'll wear your t-shirt and wear your gear. <laughs> and uh, and it helps that it's really good gear, too. I was kind of worried. Yeah. Because I'd only worn, like, one Cerberus thing prior to that. Because I just had this hodgepodge of like eight different companies that I just like, what can I afford? You know, all right, <laughs> yep. work, you know that kind of thing. And uh, so I got the gear and I was like, man, this stuff's actually really good. Like, this is really fortunate. And, uh, you know, and I like the way they like the way they behave, you know, when there was some con- there's been some controversy with a few athletes through the years and where they might have said something inappropriate or done something inappropriate and ken is literally just like you're out like oh wow can't have you around like i don't want to do you know like if that's what you want to say that's fine if you want to behave that way that's fine but you're no longer associated with cerberus and i that kind of integrity is is rare yeah and i value being associated with a company that's like that yeah in the sense of um so i don't have a problem pimping cerberus out every chance i get <laughs> you know? love it yeah man like i don't have a problem because they, they're uh they're a great company and they have quality people and they and they generally you know he, he's very particular about who he lets become associated with cerberus which i like it's not just like let's go for the biggest name dude who cares if he's a uh you know domestic violence <laughs> prone, <laughs> you know guy with you know and berry tires or something like that or whatever you know what i mean like yep. he, you know they, they he, he doesn't want like he doesn't want to deal with people like that he doesn't care how popular how amazing and how awesome they are and how many mm-hmm. followers they have if they are a generally degenerate piece of shit he's like i don't want to deal with you so yep. i i value that in in a company and and i consider ken a true friend we've become really good friends since he sponsored me um and uh like I admire what he's done with Cerberus in America and he's so like I said, I don't have a problem being sponsored by that's awesome by, by good people. So yeah. I I would imagine that's hard to find in the world of sponsorships. There's a lot of sleaziness that goes on, I think, in that in that whole yes. I mean. Um I'm curious about your business and coaching side. So um are you planning on starting another gym? And I know you're doing coaching right now, but no, I I have zero desire to open another gym. Okay. Um, you know, I, I loved what I had and what I built, but it got to the point where, you know, it was, it dominated my life. Uh-huh. I was there seven days a week. Oh, wow. You know, I, you know, it was one of those, you know, I loved what I did, but I realized like, if I take a vacation, like, the place falls apart. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I sold it and I haven't really had any desire to open another one. I still want to train people. I still want to work with people. That's like what I'd love to do. It's what gets me up in the morning, but, uh, you know, that and coffee, but it's one of those, <laughs> it just doesn't, uh, you know, it just doesn't hold any desire for me. Like I, I where I'm at now, strength depot is an amazing facility. Um, really good people. And, you know, they, when they heard I sold the gym and I was interested in moving, they were like, come here, it'll be great. And, and they're right. It is great. It's awesome. And, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to go through that whole thing again of, you know, 
I don't want to have somebody come up to be like, hey, the cable on the lap pull down broke again and be like, oh, uh, well, so much for getting home time for dinner. All right, I'm running the lows. You know, like, yeah. so it's one of those, uh, I want to be able to go in, train people, help people and go home and not get a call to in the morning that the, some idiot clogged the toilet or, yeah. you know, whatever. So, no, I uh, I fell into online coaching. I always said I would never do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I I met this young lady at, a contest in St. Louis and she was backstage and it was a press medley. And one of the events was a, one of the presses was a keg cleaner press mm-hmm. and she was backstage trying it. And, and I was like, looking at her doing, it. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? She's like, I've never done this before. Oh, I was like, no. Oh my God. So I literally coached her through it backstage, you know, 10 minutes before she went, well, she went out and she hit it and she came out, you know, afterwards she approached me. She's like, where are you guys located? So we're in, I'm in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. She's like, well, I'm in Des Moines. Well, that's two and a half hours away. I said, ah, oh, that sucks. She's like, would you be willing to distance coach me? I was like, oh man, like I've never really done that. I'm like, I don't really, but she was like, no, I'd really appreciate it. And then I could drive up and see you occasionally. And I was like, all right, I will. And so I started with her and I saw a decent, like a pretty decent amount of success. Yeah. Um, you know, she podiumed at nationals a few times and wow, you know, like, and went from, and so she's, she saw a lot of progress. Well, then of course people were like, Oh, who's your coach? You know, oh, Ken, and then I'd get an email and I'd be like, ah, like, ah, all right, I'll do, you know, I'll help you. That's cool. <laughs> and then, you know, next thing I know I've got, you know, and I don't like, I don't want, you know, some of these guys out there have like a you know, hundred plus clients. Like, oh, no, like I, like, I want to be able to give, like, my thing is like, I also, I have a questionnaire that I send people and I kind of, I go through their social media and I look at and see like, is this person serious? Like, are they, you know, what's the situation? You know, are they like, I kind of have a soft spot for masters guys, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so I'll have some masters reach out and be like, Hey, like I'm struggling. Like I can't, like I'm always getting injured. I'm always dinged up. And I'll be like, all right, like let's, let's work together. We'll see what we can do. And uh, I've had a lot of success, you know, and it's like, this is how my gym was (laughs) started in my garage just because I didn't want to go to a globo gym, so to speak, and train people anymore. I wanted to do my thing. Well, word of mouth of, you know, I'd work with a kid, his, somebody else's parents would be like, when did Jimmy get good? Like, Oh, it goes to this guy's garage. You wouldn't believe it. He's, you know, it's the next thing I know, like I once got pulled over by a cop uh, in my hometown back in Iowa at, you know, I was driving home from where I was working at a bar part-time for a friend of mine. I was driving home and I got pulled over and I'm like, man, what the hell? Like I haven't been drinking. I wasn't speeding. And he saw the gym sticker on the back window. He's like, Hey, where is that gym? I've been looking for that. And I was (laughs) like, Oh, I, you know, he had my driver's license and I'm like, right there. It's right. It's right there. And he goes, Oh, and he like writes it down. He's like, sweet. I want to bring my kid to train with you. And I was like, okay. (laughs) He was like, all right, here's your stuff. Uh, you will you around tomorrow? Yep. And I'm like, that's it? He's like, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to know where the gym was. I was like, oh, okay. And drove home, you know? So it was like just word of mouth built that up. And that's kind of what, you know, my online training has been. It just kind of, you know, hey, I talked to so-and-so and you really helped them. Like, I need help for this contest. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And it's just steamrolled. I've got, I think I've got 27 clients right now. Nice. And I feel like that's probably approaching the limit of what I'm comfortable with yeah. because I want, I'm an, I'm an involved coach. Like I want to see videos. I want to talk to you. I yeah. want to know, like, no. Okay. Logan's got a contest September 18th. These are the events in it. You know, Amber's got nationals, you know, these are the things we need to work on with her. Like I want to be able to have it in my head and, um, I think that's part of why a lot of my clients really enjoy working with me is because I do text them. Hey, how'd today go? I know you were worried about it. You know, that kind of thing. And I don't think you get that with some of these guys that have a hundred plus clients that you send them an email and it gets lost in their spam box or whatever. And you know, or they don't ever respond. Um, and it's, I don't want to be an online coach. Like I don't want to just be like, Hey, I'm an online coach. DM me three spots open, you know, like that kind of crap. Yep. You know, but but I do offer it to people that reach out and, um, and if they match, if I feel we are a good match, 
Um, you know, I fired some clients over the, over the past couple of years that mm -hmm. I just felt like we just didn't click. Like, yeah. you know, I'd be like, Hey, I've noticed, you know, I never see a squat video. Are you squatting? Um, uh, like it's written in the program, but I don't see ever see a post about it. What's going on? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. We don't need to work together anymore. Wow. Like, I don't want to mess with you, you know, like, or if I got to chase you down to pay you month after month, oh, I'm good, you know? So, but that's, <laughs> that's part of the, that's part of it. You know, it happens in regular personal training. Hey, your package is up. Where's my money? Oh, uh, I'll be gone for a week. Okay. You know, so uh, I, I do enjoy that. I enjoy one-on-one -on -one more. Like I have, I think one, two, at the time I had three clients at a gym in Pittsburgh. Um, and so I actually flew out to that gym a couple months ago and kind of just worked with them in person because there were so many of them. We, we all worked together for a day and it was, it was awesome. Like, I love it. I love in-person training much more than I do um, online. But I mean, I, I do enjoy helping people. I do enjoy seeing people do things they could never do. You know, they never thought they could do, or especially my favorite is taking, I joke, my, my, my forte is teaching old dogs, new tricks. Yeah. So I get these masters athletes that are like, Oh, I just want to, you know, get through this contest. And then two months later, they're like, Oh my God, I've never hit this. Like, I just hit PRs, like lifetime PRs, you know, at 40 some years old or 50 some years old. And I'm like, yeah, like I, I, I kind of <laughs> masters guys are kind of my forte, you know? So yeah. being a masters guy, I understand what it's like to get out of bed and take 10 minutes to tie your shoes, you know, cause you're, cause you're old and beat up from training. And so you, you know, we're not 20 anymore. We're not 25. Just, you know, bounce, bounce off the walls and, you know, shake it off. It's, so that's kind of where my, right now, that's where my, my focus is, is on the online. And then I'm building, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start building my client base here in Michigan for, for in-person training. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I, a lot of, I've, I found a lot of the well, thank God you're not just doing the template thing because I feel like that's what a lot of online coaching is. Like, please kill me. Yes. Please kill me. Yes. Um, like, oh, if you want to check in, it's going to be another 50 bucks because I'm going to have to actually talk to you this time. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're actually doing the right. I mean, you've got the right approach. Um, is that yeah. is that, by the way, is that the main source of income for you? So between the coaching and the events and whatever, I don't know what the strong um, prices right, are. Right. Oh, yeah, no, strong my yeah <laughs> bought some pizza off my winning <laughs> no i mean like it's more at this very moment because i just moved and i have no clients in, no, I have, like i really have no in-person clients i mean i literally uh moved to michigan three weeks ago and i immediately took a week-long motorcycle trip nice and then yeah and it was amazing and uh basically at this point, I'm just kind of starting to like, probably next week, I'm going to like start promoting and pushing like, Hey, I'm here. I'm taking clients. Like I'm trying to get my house settled and, mm -hmm. you know, get things kind of, I don't know if you can see the bins in the background that are just piled up. Like I'm unpacking <laughs> as we go, you know? <clears throat> and so it's kind of like, all right, like I got a few things to check off and I'm kind of enjoying the summer here in Michigan, you know, kayaking and riding my motorcycle and things like that. Just taking a break. Like I said, I was seven days a week for so long that uh, just having a little off time, I'm going to start pushing for more uh, in-person clients because that's what I would rather do. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that was the, that was uh, between, well, I guess uh, is, is more when you were running the gym was more of the income coming from gym dues or from actual personal training. Uh, for me, personal training. Okay. The gym do. So the gym started as purely personal training. Oh, okay. And then as we grew, um, in size, like literal physical size, mm -hmm. then there was enough room to start letting members in. And my goal with membership was to just break even on the facility. Right. Like I didn't, I wasn't worried about like making a ton of money. Cause I didn't want for me, this might sound snobbish. I didn't want your sleeveless bro douchebags in my gym. Oh, they're great. I didn't want, yeah. I didn't want anybody. So like I've kicked, I kicked guys out for abusing equipment, making girls feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, talking, talking trash to anybody that was new. 
Like if yeah. you, you know, what do you, you don't belong here. You're not strong enough. Nah, no, you don't belong here. Get the fuck out. You know, wow. like yeah. the whole point of the place that I, the, the gym that I built, the culture was designed that, you know, I had people that were uh, like, I, and I had an overweight mom in her thirties who had never lifted a weight in her life. I wanted her to feel just as comfortable coming in and training next to a world record holder, Olympic, you know, power lifter. Oh yeah. Right? Like a guy that had the, you know, a guy that was like, had the, the, the record for the 181 class. I didn't train him, but he trained at my gym. Mm -hmm. I wanted her to feel, you know, just as welcome as he was. Yep. And so that was the culture I tried to build this culture of, you know, as long as you come in and put in the work, people will respect you. And, and that's kind of what I, I did succeed. I felt I succeeded in that, that everyone felt welcome. Nobody felt, you know, like they weren't good enough to be there. Right. And um, for me, that's important because it's like, everybody started somewhere. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, like, this is what I always remind people. Like there was a time when 135 was heavy as shit for you, bud. <clears throat> it might've been when you were 13 or 14, but you, you know, you're lucky you started early, but it's heavy. It's heavy for them right now. That doesn't make them unworthy to be here. It just means they're on the first step of their path. Whereas you're 10 miles in. So, yeah, you know, that was my philosophy at the gym. And because of that, I was pretty particular about who I let in. And so we didn't have a ton of probably as many members as we could have. I know the new owner has been much more proactive in bringing people in and like I said, I'm not there anymore. I, mm -hmm. He's got a ton more members than I ever had, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what the culture's doing. Yep. I don't know what they're like, what, I don't know what's happening there. Um, you know, the place is amazing as far as equipment goes, mm -hmm. but it's, I don't know that it's, um, I don't know that it's the vision I had, but it's not my gym. It's his. So he can take it yep. wherever he wants and do whatever he wants with it. And it, it you know, and he's, he seems to be being successful with it. And like I said, the majority of my income came from training. My goal with the memberships was to just break even on overhead so that yeah. I could keep all my training money and not have to put any in to pay rent. Um, and it, I, I mean, I did, okay. I, I did okay. I was happy yeah. with it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that being said, I'm hoping that I can kind of do the same thing here, replicate it here, it's pulling clients and, you know, and go from there. Yeah. Are you trying to, uh, any, any thought of, um, creating like a strongman training coaching, um, I don't know, a group where, um, it's you at the forefront, obviously, but you've got a, uh, a few different coaches that actually know what they're doing kind of underneath you. Or are you always, uh, pretty adamant about the, the one-on-one -on -one with just you, you know, I'll do. So like, are you talking about like online or in person, uh, either one, honestly, so I prefer groups in terms of like, so like one of the things we did at my gym was, yes, I train people individually during the week, but then one day a week, usually a weekend day, we would get together and do a strongman day. Cool. And you have this large group that is, you know, supporting and cheering and helping. And, you know, one of the, one of the crappy things about strongman is the equipment's big and awkward. Yeah. And when you train alone, you know, like one of the worst things I so I had to run this thousand pound yoke this one time, right? And it's just like Ooh. stacks of 45s on this yoke. And I run it and I'm super excited. I'm like, yeah. Oh my God, I got to put all this away. <laughs> it was like, son of a bitch. And like <laughs> for the next hour, like I was so tired for like for the next hour, I'd pick up a 45, walk it across the gym, put it away and then be like, only 12 more to go. You know, and it was just like, it was just like this, like that was as long as like, it took longer to put shit away than it did do the workout. And so, you know, having a group that you can just be like, all right, everybody go grab two forty fives, bring them out here. You know, we're all going to use them together. We're all going to cheer for each other. We're all going to, you know, push each other. That I feel like is the best way to train strongman. Nice. Just because of that. And maybe it's, maybe I'm biased because I come from a football and wrestling background, yeah. you know, team and group, but like the energy on those days, you know, when we do that, um, it's completely different than when you're yeah. training alone. Like it, that kind of, that kind of energy really sparks a lot of PRs and that, you know, friendly competitiveness and friendly trash talking that pushes people past, you know, what they think they can do. And 
so I, yes, I mean, there is a group right now that trains here uh, at, at, at Strength Depot. Um, I haven't yet ventured in because I'm not their coach. So I don't feel like I can walk in and just be like, all right, here's what we're fucking doing today. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I talked to a couple of them and they're like, you should come in and train with us. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Maybe I will just go in and not try to take it over, but just go in and have fun. And I find myself, uh, I have to be very careful about offering unsolicited advice mm -hmm. because that's kind of a douche move, <laughs> but like, I've been coaching for so long. There's part of me that's like, you know, the other day I was in there just doing my training and there was a guy doing stones and I'm watching him. I'm like, ah, oh, uh, like I shouldn't say anything. And then I was like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like, can I, I just want to say one thing. And he's like, like, who are you? And I'm like, no, just, just instead of grabbing it like this, try grabbing it like this, just, just try it. Like, I know it's unsolicited, but just try it. And he kind of looked at me. I was like, just, just try it one time. And he did it. And he looked at me, he's like, that was so much easier. And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, I know what I'm talking doing about. Doing it right helps. <laughs> I was like, doing it right helps. Doing it right helps. I said, but you know, and then he, then like later on, he was like, oh my God, I didn't know idea who you were. Like you won world championships. I was like, yeah, I'm not really that guy. It's going to be like, hey, you want to listen to a world champ, bro? Or you wanna, like, <laughs> listen to a world chump. Like, I know what I'm talking about. Like, no, that's not me. But I find it really hard not to be like, ah, stop. What the hell are you doing? Put that down. Grab it like this. Do it right. But then I have to be real careful because like a lot of these people I don't know yet. So I don't want to be like, I mean, <laughs> I went to a, I went to a, a lifetime fitness here in Michigan with the girl I was dating and I'm watching this guy bench press and I'm just like, you guys are just going to let him do this. Like, this is terrible. And so I couldn't help it. I went over and I was like, Hey man, like, I'm just going to throw this out there, but you know, try this, lock it in, do this, you know, get your feet set. And he kind of looked at me. I was like, just, just try it. And he, and he did it. And he's like, Oh, that feels a lot better. I was like, yeah. Well, then he started asking me questions about everything else. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't want to, I'm not here to train you. I'm not a trainer here. I just, I couldn't stand watching that abortion of a fucking bench press anymore. <laughs> like that was, I don't know what that was, but it wasn't a fucking bench press. Weird sternum bounce trampoline horizontal press oh, thing. No. And I just couldn't do it anymore. And, uh, and so like, I, <laughs> I try not to do that, but it's hard, but I really want to go in and I, I love coaching and I love, yeah, you know, seeing guys like that aha moment. Like that's my favorite thing is when you're teaching somebody, you know, they, somebody's struggling with something and they ask you a question and you put into a term, you know, like a great coach once told me, uh, I, I coached high school track for eight years and the, uh, Bill Pinckney was the head coach's name and he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant coach. And he, uh, he hired me to be a shot and disc thrower coach for shot and disc. And I was mm -hmm. like, I'm never really coached that. And he's like, you're smart. You'll figure it out. Huh. I was like, okay. So I, I mean, immediately dumped myself into shot and disc technique. I called and bugged people and research and did all this stuff to where I got to be a pretty damn good coach at it. But one of the things he said was, it's not what, you know, it's what you can teach. Mm. You know, there are plenty of guys out there that are brilliant, but you have to be able to put it in terms and a way that somebody understands and grasps. Yeah. And that really resonated with me. And to be able to, you know, some people are visual learners, you know, audio learners, like tactile, like they have to actually do it, you know, like, and so like learning how to like teach 16, 15 year old boys how to throw the shot and disc. Like, I think that really refined my coaching to a point, you know, to learn how to say something four different ways, the same thing, four different ways. So that it resonated with, you know, you know, way number one might've resonated with three or four guys, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's what, that's what I love is that moment where you see that light bulb go off and they're like, Oh, I get it now. And then they just, you know, smoke a PR or something. And you're like, I kind of did that. That was fucking awesome. You know, like that feels so good to see how excited they are. Yeah. And, you know, or, you know, to see them, uh, jump ahead of what they thought they could do like that's the stuff that gets me excited and so i think i think a lot of my clients feel that that i genuinely give a shit yeah which is i feel like rare sometimes but like i think that's part of why uh i've been somewhat successful as a trainer and a, and a coach
Nice. So. Well, if you guys are in Michigan, you need to check, uh, you check him out. Um, where can people find you um, online? Instagram, Ken underscore E underscore McClelland or Ken McClelland Strength Training. Um, and then on Facebook, it's just Ken McClelland. Okay. <laughs> I don't have an athlete page or anything. I'm not that cool. I just, <laughs> just, just good old Ken McClelland. And uh, yeah, or you can go to Strength Depot in Plymouth, Michigan and ask for the giant bald guy, the giant old bald guy, because there is a giant bald guy. That's Nick. That's not, that's not me. Nice. And there's another, the giant old bald guy. That's me. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, Ken, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Um, Thank you for listening. Please give Freedom Cast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot to our business. Plus, it's fun to read y'all's reviews. See you next time.